This podcast is brought to you by Recontract, the leading software to automate your reconditioning process. From vehicles to people to parts, Recontract streamlines every touchpoint in your recon process. Visit recontract.com an to learn more. That's R-E-C-O-N-T-R-A-C dot an. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, March 10th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Callan Walker. Today on the show... Supplier profits lag even as revenue bounces back. Toyota's Woven Planet gets a new name as it doubles down on software-defined vehicles. And online shopping prompts Mercedes to redesign its showrooms. Plus, we'll hear about the growing trend of storing digital finance and insurance documents in so-called e-vaults. Similar to who has the key to the file cabinet if it was in paper, right? And as well as tracking who had access to that said asset. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. The year-end earning reports are all in, and many major parts suppliers are seeing revenue return to pre-pandemic levels. That's the good news for a supply sector that's been ravaged by production shutdowns, high material costs, tight labor market, geopolitical uncertainty, and other problems for three years now. But it doesn't tell the whole story. While revenues are returning to pre-pandemic levels, profits at many suppliers remain well below where they were in 2019. Consider the case of Lear. The seating specialist is the biggest U.S.-based supplier. Its revenue in 2022 approached $21 billion, topping 2019 sales by more than 5% but its $328 million net profit last year was less than half of 2019's. Supplier executives overall said that 2022 profits were weighed down by high costs related to electrification and advanced driver assist business, as well as new vehicle production volatility. As incoming Toyota CEO Koji Sato plans a reboot of the automaker's electric vehicle strategy, Toyota's critical software first company is also going through its own reinvention. Woven Planet Holdings is tasked with developing the software needed to run Toyota's battery-powered vehicles. It's getting a new name for the second time. Starting April 1st, the venture will be called Woven by Toyota. The company is taking Woven CEO James Kuffner off the board of directors at Toyota Motor. Meanwhile, Toyota Motor CFO Kenta Khan will give up that role but keep his CFO role at Woven. That's a position that he has held since 2021. The move is meant to help Khan keep his attention on accelerating Woven's business. Mercedes-Benz has unveiled a digital-focused store redesign. It's aimed at dialing down the high-pressure transactional experience that has long defined auto retail. The luxury automaker is experimenting with alternative formats, including small footprint showrooms in high-end shopping malls and some service-only sites. Automakers are rethinking their retail strategies as new competitors, most notably Tesla, offer more online car shopping and direct sales to customers. A prototype for Mercedes' new boutique concept is now open in an upscale mixed-use development in the Atlanta area, where the brand has its U.S. headquarters. And rebounding Mitsubishi Motors will pour more than $10 billion into electrified vehicles and battery production through 2030. The Japanese automaker is expanding its battery-powered lineup in advanced markets such as North America, partly by leaning on help from Nissan and Renault. 
CEO Takao Kato unveiled the push today while announcing a new midterm plan. The sweeping roadmap focused heavily on electrification, but included a slew of business targets, including a global sales goal of over a million vehicles for the fiscal year ending March 31st, 2026. The goal is up from its expected 866,000 vehicles this fiscal year, but the target is slightly lower than Mitsubishi's pre-pandemic worldwide volume. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, parts suppliers are seeing revenue return to pre-pandemic levels, but their profits are still down. Do you think this year will get better? I think it might. I think, you know, we look back over these three years of uh, pandemic uh, economy, the automakers have been booking record profits. The dealers have been booking sky high profits, multiples of past records, and the suppliers have been taking it on the chin. You know, production has been way down. It's been, the schedules have been messy. It's just, everything has gone wrong for suppliers. As things start to normalize, probably should get better for suppliers, more consistent production, but uh, at the same time, just that we'll probably see, you know, we're already seeing profits starting to come down at the dealerships. Uh, clearly, we're seeing some new expenses coming for some of the automakers. So things might all be uh, reverting to the mean. Interesting. Coming up, we'll look at digital trends in dealership F&I offices, including the proliferation of so-called e-vaults for storing and tracking loan documents. That's next on Daily Drive. Across the Hendrick Automotive Group, each store had a different reconditioning process. They started looking for a solution that would help them standardize their processes, give them actionable information, and ultimately drive efficiency. Knowing they needed to bring together all pieces of their operation to cut cycle times down to their goal of three days, they chose ReconTrack. Chris Little, Vice President of Variable Operations, explains why having the tools to measure your recon process gives you what you need to manage it more effectively. Everyone knows speed uh, to the front line uh, equates to more turns, which helps the overall company do better in terms of parts service and inventory bias. And so uh, when you can really take the time to measure and manage that uh, and perfect that, uh, you're going to increase your turns, you're going to increase your gross profit, and you're really just going to increase the amount of used cars you can sell uh, because you're getting them out on the front line. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. These days, lenders and dealership finance and insurance offices share ever more documentation. And in the digital age, that brings up all kinds of questions about security, government regulations, and tracking issues. To address these concerns, dealers are turning to new technology, known as eVaults, to store those digitized documents. Tim Yalich is the Strategic Director of Product Management at Walters Kluwer. He spoke with Automotive News Senior Editor Dan Schein about the growing use of eVaults. Tim, so glad to have you on the F&I Friday edition of Daily Drive. Thanks for having me today, Dan. So I know you guys at uh, Walters Kluwer always got your finger on the pulse of digital adoption in automotive. So what's kind of new and interesting out there that you're kind of talking about these days? Well, we're definitely tracking a lot of adoption and movement in this process of digital lending when it comes to the consumer experience. We've seen a lot of work there from credit decisioning, and, and that's really a, a very digital-ready type of environment today. That has evolved in the retailer space to methods of contracting digitally, the term we call e-contracting. Um, that's pretty prominent today as well. What's 
what we're watching is a lot of the evolution and change and adoption of technology in the back end or back office workflows, which is really where the bulk of the work is happening in, in lending, where information and documents are passed from a retailer to their lender partners and what the lenders do to process that. So from everything from the act of funding the retailer, you know, that's, that has sped up quite a bit. And that's all because of data and the digitization of the e-contracting platform allows them to move and make decisions much quicker. Um, but really what we're seeing now is a strong focus on the lender side, really focusing on how these platforms are used and leveraged um, because they have a lot of interest in how they may monetize the loans that they're holding that are digital. And they need to have very secure platforms in order to do that effectively, especially for those who aren't just gonna hold the loan to maturity, there are, there's a lot of lenders out there that actually sell loans into the market to be able to create more capital to offer more uh, funding and loan opportunities for their retailer partners. So um, something that was a big aha for us right at the end of the year last year that we did, we did a quick survey of a bunch of auto professionals and we learned that 82% of them, they were mostly all lenders, said that they want to digitize their, their securitization workflows, which is the process of selling digital loans into the market. It was surprisingly very high, despite the fact that it was so high, very few knew exactly how to go about it. So that's why we're really focused on this as a, as a Walter Schooler company and, and how to help the industry move along in the adoption. So tell me a little bit more about the, like the lender secondary market and what they need to be successful. How does it kind of relate back to e-contracting that you mentioned? Sure. I mean, fundamentally, at the heart of the e-contracting process is the repository platform in which the e-contracts are deposited, which is called an e-vault. This is the technology that holds all the documents and that provides the secure transfer of these assets from one business entity to another. So when you think about e-contracting in the retailer, they execute the loan, it gets deposited into this vault. And at some point when they, they decide that it's going to transfer, or they're going to sign it to the lender, then that transfer occurs. And now the lender holds the rights and control of that digital asset within the vault. So what we're seeing in the industry is a little bit of a different use of the term e-vault. And what I mean by that is there's, there's a lot of uh, providers out there that use the term for our digital storage repository, when in fact that the e-vault is actually more than that because it has to act as an asset management platform for the lender. And e-vaults, I mean, they're not just enough to kind of have a, an e-vault to store your digital loans. I mean, you talk about an asset management platform. Is that not enough or how is the e-vault a better option? Yeah, it's a good question. So maybe I can delineate the differences between an e-vault in the form of a, a secured storage repository versus an e-vault in the vein of a digital asset management solution. So when we think about a e-vault and storage, everything has to be encrypted, tamper evident, tamper proof. So you can see if any, any kind of malicious activity was taking against that, that asset that you'd be able to see that there are access controls. So in other words, who has the ability to view or see those assets within the storage repository, it's similar to who has the rights, the key to the file cabinet, if it was on paper, right? So those are in place and as well as tracking who had access to that said asset. So that is a lot to do with the security of storing these documents. Those are pretty typical things we, we see in an evolve from a secure perspective. Where it changes and differences when it becomes a need of an asset management platform. And this is where we go beyond encryption and tamper evidence. This is a platform that will provide the ability to 
assign or transfer control of the asset. I keep using the term asset. I mean, an auto loan. So with, with a tamper sealed registry of the history of control. So a lot of the regulations are for particularly UCC article 9105 is all about the control who has control over a particular asset, which dictates who has security interest in that asset. So the platform, the evolved platform, that's the asset management can control and manage the access ability to that and track and control where and who has secured interest at any given point in time. Um, and this is important too, because the platform can actually grant or spring control to a secured party at the appropriate time. For example, if in the event that a lender wanted to pool a series of their loans and make them available and sell them to the open market, there is a period where a purchaser of those loans would need to gain access to the information so they can analyze and assess that pool from a risk perspective to see if they really want to purchase it or not. So these types of controls can all be managed appropriately in accordance with the regulations and laws within an e-asset management platform. And with the trend going to all digital anyway, in auto lending, and you know, I think that's what customers want. And I think dealerships are trying to get there and meet them there. It seems like this is an important tool to have for security and just for ease of that kind of those back office process. Very much so. I mean, the asset management platform is really a tried and true trusted environment that's being used today. The majority of auto loans that are sold on the open market do run through an asset management platform, such as provided by Walter Sklor. When, when lenders think about the contracting, you know, they look at it from their retailer partner perspective and they understand that there's a whole user experience that has to occur. The value to the lender is actually how everything is conducted because the process of e-contracting at the retailer, the experience between the retailer and the consumer is critical to uh, the evidentiary proof of how that transaction was conducted so that it makes that an authoritative digital asset within the e-vault. So all those procedures are important. So we think about the, the lender's value and what they're looking at. They have to have the assurances that all those processes are correct. And the retailer is really depending on the industry providers to provide a capability to make sure that works properly. But on the lending side, it comes down to, okay, are they just going to hold on to the loan or they want to sell it into the secondary market? That's when it becomes a difference. So the lenders are really going to be looking at e-contracting platforms and the type of repository that's being used for the holding of these digital assets. And an e-asset management platform is what they're looking and I'm guessing not all e-vaults are created equal. Are there things that people should be looking for and or be aware of when picking one of these? You know, as lenders move to digitization of their consumer-facing processes as well as back-end functions and working with their retailer partners, the vital component is really being fully compliant, contactless, you know, type of transaction workflow. With the adoption of an e-asset management platform, these auto uh, lenders and retailers can all experience a uh, complete digital uh, experience and have the assurances that the backend processes are in place to make sure that the lender is satisfied with their needs from gaining access to capital. And, and I, I talk a lot about this. You know, when we talk about the retailers, it's time to money, right? When they execute a loan, they want to get funded as fast as possible so they can use that capital for, you know, what they need to and, and putting that back towards adding inventory and so on. On the lender side, access and time to capital is equally as important. We know that auto loans are becoming more expensive. Lenders are preparing for the end of this downward economy. 
where transaction volume will start increasing again. And with the cost and price of all these transactions higher, that eats into the available, available capital a lender has to loan. So for a lender to stay uh, competitive, they may need access to capital. Having an asset management platform like this where they can you know, collateralize or securitize loans to gain more capital, keep their business moving in the, in the pace they, they like um, is key and critical. Tim, a very interesting conversation about something I didn't know very much about, but uh, I appreciate the discussion. Thanks so much. It's my pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me today. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own John Irwin, Irvash Kakaria, and Hans Grimel for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on finance and insurance, suppliers, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back Monday for a conversation about NVIDIA, the video game chip company that's becoming a force in the auto industry. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.